0: Welcome to the MSL Lead Chronicles. It's a podcast on a mission in medical affairs and leadership. I'm Mary Morton, and along with my buddy, Chad Fellers, we're going to have casual talk about important topics and challenges in leadership. So whether you want to elevate or further develop as a leader, or your ambition is to transition to a leadership role, you've tuned in to the right podcast, and we are so glad you're here. Stay tuned.
1: Back to the MSL Lead Chronicles podcast, where leaders learn from leaders. I'm your host Chad Fellers, along with my partner in crime Mary Morton. And Mary, can you believe it? We've made it back for our second episode. I'm so excited. How about you?
0: Oh yeah, me too. It's really great.
1: Yeah. So I think um, definitely want to dig into this topic that we we teased uh, last the last episode. Really is the making the transition from an individual contributor uh, to a leadership position. Um, And really, uh, this is a crucial thing, I think, that um, obviously there are several that have challenges with, um, that many are going to be aspiring to, et cetera. So I think that's going to be a great topic. But before we do that, um, just want to touch base. How was your weekend?
0: Um, It was good. It was... Um, Well, I started off my weekend watching um, Premier League football, soccer in America. Um, My team is Man City, and I had on my Jack Grealish jersey, or kit, as you call it, um, because we're trying to get into the lead, get the top of the table. Um, But uh, so now we've climbed up and we're within two points of first place against Uh, Liverpool. And Liverpool is my son Liam's favorite team. And so um, it doesn't matter if we win. If they're still ahead of us, he's relentless. He does not cut me any slack. So until... I think
1: think (laughs) that's fascinating. Um, And I need to probably pick up a different sport as well, too. Um, Over the weekend, my college team, the Razorbacks, uh, got hammered in basketball. Uh, The Cowboys got killed yesterday as well too. So maybe I should make the transition. What do you think?
0: Um, yeah, I think you should have all kinds of sports. They keep you busy when your other teams let you down. We also were watching that Cowboys game and my son and I, Liam, uh, we watching it. And I said, that's pretty good. Right. And he goes, Oh yeah, he's got the best this and that. And then um, we watched as, <laughs> Oh my gosh. I don't even want to say it out loud. Um, once they oh, got once, once Green Bay got their third touchdown, I said, Can I turn this off? And he goes, Oh yeah, I stopped watching after the second touchdown. So what? <laughs> it was impossible to watch.
1: It was bad. It was really bad. Um yeah. ever yeah. since Jimmy Johnson left. But anyway, I guess that's not the topic. This isn't a sports sports uh podcast, I guess, after all. So Johnson. Let's, um,
0: from Arkansas. <laughs> Fair enough. Isn't he from Arkansas?
1: Jerry Jones? Yes, he is.
0: Oh, but Jimmy Johnson isn't?
1: Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Jimmy Johnson went to Arkansas. Oh, that's what it was. From Arkansas. Yep. Sorry.
0: Yeah. No, I'm sorry that you guys, if you tuned in to hear leadership tips and all of a sudden you think you're watching ESPN uh, with their uh, third string <laughs> sportscasters, uh, I don't want you to be confused. I'm sorry. I'll let you get back on track.
1: It is all good. So let's let's dig into this. So we're thinking about the transition from individual contributor to leadership position. Um, there's a few things I'd love for us to take a look at. One is why individuals struggle with this transition. And then second is how can we take a few steps to increase the likelihood of success in this? Or even if you're in the role, how to um, how to continue to advance as, as a leader. So um, I know that we've talked about this, right, Mary?
0: Oh, yeah, a ton. I mean, and it seems like everything we we talk about, it comes right back down to you, you've got to change your your mindset, right?
1: Yep, that is exactly it. So with that, uh, that mindset component, let's go ahead and go um, to the three takeaways of our show today. As uh, again, promised. Yes, that's right. We promised this is going to be the format. We know that um, we want to be respectful of time and we may not have time to be able to listen to the entire podcast in one setting, but we want to make sure you have some application tips. at the very beginning, you know when to expect those. So with that, here are the three takeaways. When we're thinking about the transition, the first. Um, your success and my success as an individual contributor does not guarantee success in a leadership role. Uh, the second is my team must become my number one customer. I Cannot wait to talk about this particular one here in a few minutes. And then three, I must routinely ask my team two questions. What do you need from me? And then how can I make your job easier? So, Mary, you ready to dig in?
0: Let's get into it. Yeah.
1: All right. Let's let's get into more detail about why individuals often struggle making this transition.
0: Okay. Um,
1: I, I think, Mary, a great place to start is companies promote people because of exceptional work that they do, their success as an individual. Um, oftentimes they really don't do so because of the demonstrated leadership skills that they possess.
0: Oh, no, I, I would completely agree. Uh, the first recruiting firm that I worked for um, back in 95, they had, um, it was a nationwide firm. They had 30 what they call agencies all over the country. And they routinely would promote to um, a uh, the agency manager role, their top performers. Um, and unfortunately, um, so, some people were not meant for leadership. And so, what would happen after promoting your top performers? Um, they they weren't cut out for leadership, and in their struggle to try to balance learning how to lead and to continue to produce results, they would end up failing at both, and then, you know, they would leave the company. So now the company has you know, the company's got to take responsibility for that too, you know, because they lost these top performers by putting them in a spot they weren't ready for, or maybe they weren't cut out for. Um, It's just a bad deal all around.
1: Yeah. It's it's an easy trap to fall into, honestly, from a company standpoint, right? You have uh, these, these individuals or an individual that is just absolutely crushing it with the tactics and things that they are charged to do. Um, there's recognition that comes along with it and therefore the company thinks, oh, if one person can do this, um, what happens if this person becomes this leader? And then I can have a multitude of the same type of, um, activity happening. Um, and I think that that is always going to be a struggle if there is not a shift in the tactics that, um, a leader has and focuses on compared to that individual contributor. So I, I definitely agree. This is certainly a challenge. I want to get into the second one. So training for a leadership role is geared oftentimes really to the operational components of the position.
0: But that's, that's, um, that's a good thing though, right?
1: Yes. I mean, certainly we want to be able to make sure that things are running from an operational standpoint and an excellence um, or at an excellent level, that said, that is just one component of, of the role, right? It's the operations that you put in place are only as good as the commitment that the people that you have working with you, um, uh, the, the level of commitment that they have, the energy that they bring, the value that they bring, they have to feel valued with that. So it really does come down to the people components and I've not seen um, or, or been a part of a company to date that really focuses in on how you really invest in the people uh, that you serve. So I think that, that that's that's a missing component.
0: So um, I have a question on that actually. Yeah. Um, so I get that you know the company is not um, in this case. you you know, working to develop the person's people skills, leadership skills, and that sort of thing. So when we're talking about they, they're providing them operational leadership training, what are we talking about? What does that entail? I mean, my, my mind's going to um, how to evaluate them and metrics and what, what, what do you mean by that?
1: Yeah. I mean, so you hit on several of those factors. Part of it is uh, as well as things like learning to how, how to oversee a budget, how to make recommendations on what types of resources are needed, the types of cross-functional partnerships that might be different as well too that you didn't get that exposure from as an individual contributor. Those are just a few of those. It's the processes, the policies and procedures, um, SOPs, et cetera, to make sure your team is functioning. Again. No, uh, I'm not saying these are not important topics or or functions of a leader. That said, uh, if that's the only thing that's there, oftentimes there is a significant struggle that a leader might have.
0: Yeah, like implementing these things in a way that it's well received,
1: Right, that's right. Um, we won't. We don't have time to get into it today, but it, it maybe it's a segue for another podcast okay. um, around the different social styles that we communicate with. Right? I think that that's that's a, a growth opportunity as well, too. Just it's almost like the five love languages. I don't know if you've ever read that book. Um, if you have a significant other, have you read that,
0: Mary? Yeah, I have. I've also read the five love languages of children, and there is a five love languages at work. Ooh, Mm -hmm.
1: maybe I need to dig into that, that one as well, from the work standpoint. Um, For those, for the listeners out there that have not heard of the five love languages, we have this base language that we speak in, and our tendency is to speak that type of language to uh, our significant other the challenge with that is if the love language is not the same for a significant other, it doesn't make impact. Right. So it's similar to that when we are thinking about the social styles of communication to really maximize the impact uh, that your company or your, specifically your team mm-hmm. team can have. So um, that is something maybe we can dig into uh, yeah. down the road here.
0: Yeah. Okay. Sorry for a so,
1: Yeah. So let's, let's talk about maybe the third reason. So MSLs, and this, this is one I think, Mary, I'd love to get your perspective on when you're having calls maybe with um, those that are in the industry that are interested in leadership roles or making a transition uh, into that. Um, they take the leadership role for the wrong reason. And let's give a few examples. Boredom in the role, limited exposure to other roles in medical affairs, or even misunderstanding of the role. Um, A few things I think that are important for aspiring uh, MSLs that are interested in a leadership role to consider. Um, One, do I desire to develop others? So one example would be mentoring. Is that something that you actively seek out um, with whether on your team or whether from a personal standpoint in your community Is that that something that brings value to you? So that would be one question I would ask. Do I like to resolve conflict? I think, you know, the problem-solving skills of an MSL, right, and we're thinking about that, uh, is how to engage a a KOL, um, how to get them to understand the data that maybe they're presenting, et cetera. That totally Um, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we step into these types of things? Do we get defensive? Do we implement active listening? Um, do we look to help the um, those in conflict compromise, et cetera? Um, so some of those things, if that's something that comes naturally or something that you're willing to step into versus avoid, I think that's a question that needs to be asked when we're thinking about transitioning into a leadership role, because that's Um, that's unfortunately part of uh, the role from time to time when there's a lack of understanding, uh, et cetera. So that's a great question to ask. I'd also say, do I enjoy engaging combative KOLs? I think that this is something that just, I saw this transition for me. Um, There were times, Mary, that I would avoid the KOLs that, um, we're very cold or non-responsive or even dismissive of our company or the data, um, but something along, along the road uh, made, made that switch for me. Um, it's really how to be able to engage, and it's a problem-solving of how do, I, how do I win that person over, and I think that, that as a leader, we have to um, win our people over. Um, when it's decisions that are tough, uh, that there's a lack of full understanding uh, from a business perspective would be one example as well, too. So um, the final way that I would say a question I would ask is, do I actively seek ways to support others? So those are some questions, some base questions, if you're an aspiring uh, MSL leader, that I would definitely ask just to get an assessment of uh, do the responsibilities of the leadership role, do those line up with the things that, that I enjoy?
0: Yeah, no, I mean, do you, or did, when you were considering moving into a people leadership role, or these questions you asked yourself, all of them, or some of them, and then maybe in retrospect, I mean, maybe this is the, you know, walk, walk a mile in my shoes kind of thing. You can share with people's like, these are things I wish I knew beforehand, or I wish maybe I'd, Told other people yeah. beforehand who were considering leadership roles.
1: Yeah, I think um, it's yes to all of those things in <laughs> ways. I mean, I, I it really is things that I wish I knew before I stepped into it. Again, briefly mentioned, I think last time uh, I've been I've had the opportunity to be in a leadership role six, every every year, uh, starting my first year out of pharmacy school, six months into uh, my career had that opportunity. And I would say for the first 10 or so years, it was more of a um, a management type of philosophy versus a leadership. Um, with that, I think part of that was because I did not flip that mind. I did not have a mindset shift oh. um, to, to realize the tactics that I was using as an MSS well, at the time, it was as a as a community pharmacist stepping into a leadership role. Um, but I did I, I wanted to be the best friend. I wanted to just have people do the things that I thought that they should do the way that I succeeded. Um, communication, not stepping into conflict resolution, etc. All those things I learned, um, and I fell forward with that. So so. Um. Yes. This. These are really tips in many ways uh, to keep people from having to walk through some of those types of experiences to actually learn how to lead. Excellent point. Oh. What so else I do I What? What else do I got? Yeah. Um. Let's let's think here. Um. I think one that's big, and I, I think I just alluded to it, is the false assumption that his or her approach as an individual is the only way. Um, The way I did things to be successful as an individual, isn't the only way. Right? So I think that I was thinking about this um, the other day. We think about even the title that we have, right? So, um, a leader and, and what a leader is supposed to be. So a leader is supposed to be a director, not a dictator. Have you yeah. thought about
0: that in a way, Mary? No, um, well, maybe kind of, not maybe in those terms exactly. Um, but you know, I will admit that when my company who typically promoted top performers into leadership jobs, which it did to me, I had kind of a natural leadership, you know, um drive and all of the things, you know, but Um, I will admit that when I I became a manager for the first time in 1997, I thought there was only one way to do things. (laughs) Um, like the way that I did was successful. Why isn't everybody not doing it the way I'm doing it? What's wrong with them? I've got to fix them. I was actually very lucky to have hired someone, um, uh, her name is Sandra Walker. So if for any reason, Sandra Walker or anybody who knows Sandra Walker is is listening or watching this, um, she taught me a lot in about a year, well, less than a year's time. And I, I was very blessed to have her. She shot me straight. And my one of my favorite things was she would look at me and she would go, married. And I knew... Some wisdom was about to come my way, Um, but
1: she didn't didn't call you by your middle name or anything.
0: No, no. Maybe I didn't tell her what it was, but
1: um, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. Go on.
0: But, you know, from then on, that was such a valuable lesson for me to learn is that there are lots of ways to do something and be successful. And actually over the past, whatever many years it is, I've learned from people that I've led. Endlessly. So there's a million ways to do things. And yeah, maybe my no, way is not the right way.
1: I I agree. Um, Mary, I think that just thinking back on my my journey, um, Chi Moma, if he's listening to, <laughs> right? He was helping with this. Yes. Um, uh, I think one word that would describe him is visionary. And I think that that is really... Um, a natural thing or a, a priority that a leader should have, right? So give the vision, the tactics to be able to get to the vision can can vary the approaches because of personalities, comfort levels, um, backgrounds, et cetera. While we still need to learn and be stretched, don't be, don't get me wrong. There are some differences with that and uh, getting hung up on the way that um, something is executed really can impede the impact that that the individual may have on your team so um, really i think it's setting the vision and then giving them a runway to be able to to succeed so um
0: i agree more
1: so okay i alluded to this um as well I've, i've done a lot of alluding i think um, but thinking about our, our key takeaways, this one, I think, is, um, is is a key one. And that's misunderstanding of the leader's number one customer. Who is that? Um, the priority for the individuals, your team should be individual development, coaching, and support. And really, with all these things, time and trust are essential. You want to be able to grant trust to those uh, that are on your team, but you need to earn their trust as well, too. And so little deposits um, along the way will help support that.
0: So I, I'm really curious about your choice of words being customer. So yeah. why do you choose that word to use?
1: So maybe, maybe customer, you could maybe exchange it. Let's just exchange it for the MSL purposes um to external uh, stakeholder, KOL, KME, thought leader, however you want to describe it, right? So um, in a traditional MSL role, the the external KOL is the customer. They're the focus of um, the, the job of a field um, a field uh, employee, right? So you spend years and years, three, five, however many years, learning the role, becoming used to that. And then when you make this transition into leadership, um, yes, the overall goals of of the team may be the same that they were when you were individual, however, right? So the the customer has to change, right? So maybe it's the mindset more of, uh, what was once my priority customer, the external person, it then becomes your, your KOLs are are your are the individuals on your team, um, not to mention your cross-functional stakeholders, et cetera. But if you focus on those top thought leaders, which are the individuals on your team, um, you're going to be able to build and make deposits. They're going to become uh, motivated. They're going to own um, the role. They're going to um, look to the vision and and do everything that they can to make make that vision happen too. So that's the mindset I'm talking about. When we're thinking about shifting um, our focus on who the customer really is.
0: Okay, all right. And so they they know like uh, their MSL their KOLs are number one to them. The MSls know that they are number one to you as their leader. I like it. That's right. I like it, and they need to
1: see it too. I think um, it's it's standing up when um, maybe there are um, things that are trying to be implemented potentially from other stakeholders, or even protection in ways that could be a way that um, they can see that. I think celebrating success, any type of success that's that happens, is not about the leader. It's about the team. And so acknowledging that, um, accepting the responsibility if um, there is a something fails or doesn't go as planned. Right. Instead of pointing at the individuals on the team, accepting that as a leader as well, too. Those are deposits that help build that trust um, that will translate into these individuals on your team working that much harder and their productivity going up, et cetera. So I think that that is, if we focus our mindset on supporting our number one customers, good things are bound to happen. So there's one more that I wanted to dig into um, that I think is more, it goes back to the first point around um, the operational component. They're being trained operational type of things but really not the people. Um, So you have these top contributors, Mary, that uh, maybe exceeded expectations for multiple years, have have things on autopilot in so many ways. They're looked to by their teammates, they're looked to by the leaders, they're looked to by the cross-functional partners. I mean, they are high value and they're considered an expert. So when we make that transition to a leadership role, all of a sudden we can have a mindset of uh, this feeling that because I had all the answers or many of them uh, in the individual contributor role, I'm afraid to ask questions uh, to those as I'm learning the role uh, of a leader. And um, I think that that is, that's, that's, there's a number of reasons with that. It could be pride, obviously, but then it also could be a lack of support uh, from the company that helped develop the leader. What do you think about that, Mary?
0: I think that's an interesting one uh, to unpack a little bit, you know, because I feel like, um, I mean, I think some of that is in the person feeling like maybe um, a lack of self confidence you know, so they're, sorry, my A-L-E-X-A wanted to chime in, and she said something went wrong, so, um, she must be listening in, (laughs) but, um, but, um, you know, for, for this new leader to not feel comfortable letting their own leader know, I need some help, you know, is it, um, is it a lack of confidence is it not feeling like their leader is there to support them so um could be responsibility on both sides of that um sorry i'm yeah. about to mix my metaphors i've you know i always call this my joey Tribiani moment because the, he always uh, did that on friends um mixed metaphors but um because i was about to say two sides of the same coin but i think coins have two sides anyway I
1: think they do I think they do Mary
0: yeah okay all right well never mind on my Joey Tribbiani moment but hopefully I'm making sense
1: yeah, I think you are
0: okay thank you so what do you think about that I mean um do you currently you don't currently manage managers right or lead leaders rather
1: well Depends what you define leader, Mary. Right? More talking about um, right, leadership definitely. doesn't require a title. Um, you can lead in whatever type of role that you have. But to answer your question from a from an official capacity, uh, no, I I serve a team of ten MSLS, so I don't have uh, additional leaders that uh, that report to me in official
0: capacity. Okay, but I mean, what do you think about that? Um, well. I mean, I do know at least one of your previous leaders is the supportive type who you would not have had any problem, you know, bouncing an idea off of him.
1: So I think um, being vulnerable as as a leader uh, is is crucial to success. Asking questions, maybe maybe this is the best way. Uh, to sum it up, Mary, is let's think about some of the top MSLs that you have engaged in conversation, Uh thinking about placing. Um, I think one of, tell me if you agree with this, one of the core qualities that really sets people apart is curiosity, right? Asking questions, active listening, following up on a statement that you just made, um, tell me to learn more, et cetera. Would you agree with that?
0: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so, I'll tell you something interesting too, just to add on to that, and then I'll, then we'll go back. Um, when both of my kids were tested or, went, or were being evaluated for gifted and talented, um, it, one of the things that uh, they gave me was a little, like, a T-chart sheet, like, is my child intelligent or is my child gifted? And one of the key differences between an intelligent child and a gifted child is the intelligent child knows the answers. The gifted child asks the questions.
1: Mm. Mm.
0: So We should all strive to be gifted and not just intelligent.
1: That's right. And so, um, I, I think one of the biggest things too is with more success as an individual contributor, a lot of that happened because of all the questions that were asked during that role. Um, Oftentimes, when we step into a leadership role, we're afraid to ask those questions for some of the, the reasons that we discussed earlier, too. So I think losing that sense of curiosity can be, be a barrier for those that are that are just now entering a leadership role or have been there for years as well, too. We have to continue to ask questions. If not, we are making assumptions on so many things and potentially missing out Um, on making good things great. So um, I think that's a challenge both for me and for you, Mary. Next, maybe for 2024, who knows, right? So um, I like the
0: way that you said that though.
1: Yeah, I think it's asking, um, not only curious and asking questions, I do think let's go back to um, the number one customer. And really it's, what do we need to ask our number one customer. And I think, so what do you need from me? How can I make your job easier? And then here's one, we're talking about being vulnerable. Um, If you really want to gain buy-in and trust, ask what's one way I could lead better? And uh, receive that, whether it's... um, something that you agree with or disagree. We need others around us to be able to give, give us um, insights to how we're communicating, um, et cetera, too. So I think periodically, if we can ask that question um, and we've built the trust with our team, it's an opportunity for us to learn a lot. What do you think?
0: I totally agree. Um, I, I think it requires, um, a level of humility. I think it says a lot. I mean, regardless of what the answers to any of those questions could be, I think it says a lot about a leader who is comfortable enough to ask that kind of question. Um, And, and that's actually one of the things, you know, I, I discuss with the recruiters all the time, just while we're just interviewing and screening candidates is don't be afraid to ask the questions that may or may not have an answer you don't want to hear um, because it, you stop learning, you stop growing and you, you need that information. So I, I love that. And, you know, I, um on my annual reviews with my teams, um, one of the questions that I typically ask on my self-evaluation forms and, you know, is what can we be doing better, you know, and, you know, And people will typically give me the answers they think I want to hear. And when I have my one-on-ones with them, I'm like, okay, no, but really give me the straight scoop. There's got to be something that we need to fix. Um, And it's, and they're not afraid to tell me. Um, And they'll tell me, (laughs) but um, I think it's a really good, a very important point. I think it's important.
1: So what, I mean, Mary, here's, here's one of the things I think too, is, you know, we have blind spots. Um, I think, If it came down to it, yes, it may hurt a little bit to hear if it's a something from a direct from a a leadership, a a leader that um, maybe is missing the mark in ways with with an individual um, that could be hurtful or misinterpreted. And you could take it personally. But here's one of the things I think about is would I rather be able to work through that and set aside my pride or would I? rather have to backfill a role because, um, a great contributor doesn't feel seen, doesn't feel heard, uh, and invested in as well too. So I think it's really important to ask, um, because we need to continue to grow. Right. So.
0: Because when you said that I was going to say you either find out now or you find out in the exit interview.
1: That's exactly
0: right. You went went exactly where I was thinking of going.
1: I love it. I love it. We are, um, like uh, Luke and Leia, maybe, or something like that, right? We need, better, we
0: need a better analogy than that.
1: Same wave, same wavelength. Okay. All right. There are so many things that you have to consider when you're in a leadership role. So let's, we're wrapping this up. Okay. Uh, we just scratched the surface today, right? So um, I think one of the biggest things with this, again, is, and you're going to hear this on every podcast, that's why we need to learn from one another. Remember that leaders don't develop in isolation. Leaders learn from leaders.
0: Absolutely. So let me give you a few um, bits of information. Uh, Next time on MSL MSLE Chronicles, we are going to be discussing the hot topic of developing a culture of psychological safety. So that's going to be a good one. And we will have a guest on the show for that one. Um some other reminders um if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe give us a thumbs up if you didn't enjoy the episode uh don't tell anybody
1: right. <laughs> i'm just kidding am
0: right. just kidding we want your feedback we just said that you know we That's want right. your feedback even if it's not positive um we need it so either you know give us a holler on linkedin most of you probably know us so just reach out to us directly um but um, if you think you know somebody who could benefit from this episode, please share it with them and, and suggest it with them because we are a community and we're all trying to learn and grow from each other.
1: Right.
0: So uh, That's guess the like- only way
1: we can grow, right? I mean, unless we, unless we fail over and over and over again, we're just trying to close that gap so that doesn't happen so much. So I love what you just said there, Mary.
0: Thank you. So guess what time it is, Chad?
1: It's time to wrap things up, I guess, right? It
0: is time for random questions.
1: Oh, I thought we could wrap that. I thought we were close enough to the end where we didn't have we to are, go through. The- no, All right, here we go. We
0: are close enough to the end. The end is in sight, Chad Phillips. Okay. 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 So um, I've got one random question. Okay. okay. All right. Um. What would your 12-year-old self, sorry, would your 12-year-old self think your today self is a cool dude?
1: Well, the answer to that is yes, Mary. I mean, haven't you interacted with, no, I. that's a really good, that's a great that's question. Probably not, because I thought my 12-year-old self uh, would see me uh, wrapping up maybe my, um, major league experience in baseball. So, because that didn't happen, and if it's jo- if it's tied to a, a, a job, probably not. It probably, <laughs> a twelve year old wouldn't know what a MSL leader is, right? So, um, okay. probably, I would say no.
0: Okay. All right. So, your twelve year old self thought you were going to be a major league baseball player. Uh,
1: my twelve year old self did. Yes. Okay. Who did? You- it
0: who did your 12-year-old self think you were going to be playing for?
1: Uh, the Atlanta Braves.
0: The Atlanta Braves.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, the reality is, Mary, uh, on the the TV that we, I guess the uh TV offerings that we had when I was little, it was two options. It was the Cubs or the Braves, right? So you had oh. TV for WGN. So I picked one and it happened to be uh the Braves.
0: Yeah. All right. Okay, fair enough. Did you have a favorite player on the Braves back in the day?
1: Oh, uh, which one? Dale Murphy, Bob Horner. I mean, I could go on and on. That was They were in the pastel blue uh, uniforms. They weren't that day, back in the day. Um, I think we were wearing also- pastel
0: blue then, too. The Rangers were wearing the pastel blue, too. Yeah. It was I back when we had um, – uh, God, I can't think of his name. Not, I'm not talking about Nolan Ryan, obviously, but I was thinking of, um, why all of a sudden all I can think of is Bobby Boucher because that is the water boy. I don't know why Bobby Boucher is the name that came to my mind. It
1: is, it is definitely time to, uh, to close shop for this, this podcast because I don't understand a word that's coming out of your mouth. And I don't think that you do right now as well too, when you reference Bobby Boucher in the major leagues. So, um, All that being said, Mary, it's great to be back with you again. You too. Um, Listeners, I hope that there were some key takeaways that uh, you'll be able to implement today or think about as as you're working uh, in 2024. Uh, Look forward to our next topic that Mary discussed earlier. Um, But if I can leave you with one thing, it would be this. Again, leaders don't develop in isolation. Leaders learn from leaders. And one place you can do that is the MSL Lead Chronicles. See you next time.